This audio is brought to you by muslimcentral.com. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Innal hamdalillah nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nastaghfiruhu wa nastahdi wa nu'minu bihi wa natawakkalu alayhi wa na'udhu billahi al-'azhim min shururi anfusina wa min sayyi'ati a'malina man yahdihillahu ta'ala fala mudilla lahu wa man yudlil falan tajida lahu waliyan murshida wa ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lahu lahul mulku wa lahul hamd يحيي ويميت وهو حي لا يموت بيده الخير وهو على كل شيء قدير وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله وصفيه وخليله أدى الأمانة وبلغ الرسالة ونصح للأمة وكشف الغمة وتركنا على المحجة البيضاء ليلها كنهارها لا يزيغ عنها إلا هالك فعليه أفضل الصلاة وأتم التسليم وعلى آله وصحبه ومن استنى بسنته إلى يوم الدين اللهم اجعلنا منهم ومن الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر آمين يا رب العالمين وأوصيكم ونفسي بتقوى الله عز وجل وقد أمرنا بالحق وقال تعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون وقال تعالى يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا وقال تعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما ثم أما بعد We begin by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala declaring his perfection and bearing witness that none has the right to be worshipped or unconditionally obeyed except for him subhanahu wa ta'ala and we ask him to send his peace and blessings upon his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam his family, his companions and those that follow until the day of judgment and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us amongst them. Allahumma ameen. Dear brothers and sisters, it's Friday. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives everyone a choice on Friday. Most people say, thank God it's Friday because it's a chance to now go and, and relax and party for the weekend. And Muslims say, thank God it's Jum'ah for the chance to come and remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes this comparison in the Qur'an. And you know, it's not just on Black Friday that you have people that are out there looking for their dunya and are seeking some sort of satisfaction or some sort of happiness. But it's every single day and especially every single Friday where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِذَا نُودِيَ لِلصَّلَاةِ مِنْ يَوْمِ الْجُمُعَةِ فَاسْعَوْا إِلَىٰ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ وَذَرُوا الْبَيْعْ ذَلِكُمْ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ O oh, you who believe, when the call for Friday is made, when the Friday prayer has been announced, rush to the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rush to the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and abandon all form of trade. ذَلِكُمْ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ That's actually better for you if, you if only you knew. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking obviously to the entire ummah, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also addressing the, the best generation that has ever walked the face of the earth. And that is the sahaba of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I mean, in, in, included in this ayah are those great people, those amazing people. But obviously with every single generation and with every single peoples, you have some that incline more towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and some that want to do business. And so there were hypocrites that existed at that time as well. 
And in fact, with the establishment of Salatul Jumu'ah, it did not come until the Madani phase, until the period of Medina, which is where all of the ayats, all of the verses were revealed in regards to hypocrisy, because in Mecca there was no reason to be a hypocrite. If you were a Muslim, it meant that you were going to be tortured, it meant that you were going to be run out of your home, it meant that you were going to be a social outcast, it meant that you were going to be boycotted, it meant all of those things to be Muslim, and it had no perks to being Muslim in Mecca. I mean, there was no bandwagon of Muslims in Mecca. If you were Muslim, you suffered. But whenever we look at the Madani phase, when the Prophet ﷺ establishes his state ﷺ, you had then people that tried to take advantage of the situation. And so they only showed their faces at religious events and at religious gatherings when there was a worldly benefit involved. If there was no worldly benefit, there was no reason for them to be there. And in fact, that's why the Prophet ﷺ said that the most difficult prayers for the hypocrites are Fajr and Isha. Not because they're tired, not because they're sleepy, not because, you know, not, not because of any other reason except that going to Fajr and Isha in those days meant that no one was going to see you. If everyone could please move up inshaAllah. That no one was going to see you at the mosque. No one was going to see you praying. Because there was no lighting in the masjid. There was, you know, people would not socialize, generally speaking, at Fajr or Isha. And we find many incidents where, where people were killed at Salatul Fajr, and others were not even aware because it was pitch black. So the hypocrites felt no need to come to Fajr or Isha because there was going to be no worldly benefit whatsoever. They weren't going to get any, any dunya out of it. They weren't going to get any sense of reputation out of it. So they would only show their faces whenever their faces would be seen. And Rasulullah said for that reason, that, that, the, that those two prayers are hardest on the hypocrites. And the Prophet said an authentic hadith from Abu Umama, Bashar al-Mashain, give glad tidings to those who used to walk in the, in the dhulm, in, in the dhulumat, in the darkness to the masajid of a long-reaching light on the Day of Judgment. Those people that walked even when there was no need to go to the masjid from a worldly perspective. And the Prophet ﷺ said, if there was meat being distributed in the masjid, or some form of money, then you would see everyone rushing to the masjid. And this is something that was tested by Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu. Abu Huraira one time goes to the marketplace and he tells the people in the marketplace, the inheritance of the Prophet ﷺ is being distributed in the masjid. Halumu, go ahead and rush. Rush to the masajid. The inheritance of the prophets are being distributed. And so everyone shut their shops and ran to the masjid. And they didn't find anything. So they went back to Abu Huraira to complain to him. They said, Oh Abu Huraira, was this some kind of trick that you pulled so that you could dominate the market? What was that all about? You know, when everything is shut down, you've got the few people that'll go out there and that will sell a few products here and there and they'll make a killing because everyone else is shut down today. So what, is, what was that all about? They, and Abu Huraira said, well, did you go to the masjid? They said, we went to the masjid. Abu Huraira said, what did you find? They said, we found these circles of Qur'an, halaqat of Qur'an and hadith and fiqh. You know, these different gatherings of, of knowledge. And Abu Hurairah said, that's the inheritance of the Prophets. Because Rasulullah said that the Prophets do not leave behind any form of dirham or any form of dinar. They don't leave behind any currency. 
They leave behind knowledge as a form of inheritance. And whoever acquires that knowledge has acquired something beneficial indeed, has acquired something that is great. And whoever is forbidden from it has been forbidden from something that is great. What does that show you? Naturally, when we come to religion, when we come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have a goal in mind. And a lot of times we come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with strings attached. And when those conditions don't exist, and when those circumstances cease to exist, then we fail to come close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala anymore. And Allah says to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, وَإِذَا رَأَوْ تِجَارَةً أَوْ لَهْوَنٍ فَضُّوا إِلَيْهَا وَتَرَكُوكَ قَائِمًا If they see a better business opportunity, or they see some form of trade or an opportunity to make some money, they would rush towards that, وَتَرَكُوكَ قَائِمًا And they would leave you, O Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, standing there. قُلْ مَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ خَيْرٌ مِنَ اللَّهْوِ وَمِنَ التِّجَارَةِ وَاللَّهُ خَيْرٌ الرَّازِقِينَ Say that which is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is better than all forms of amusement and all forms of trade. And Allah is the best of those who give in the first place. Allah is the one who grants you your sustenance in the first place. All of this is to teach us a very valuable lesson. And that lesson is not that we should become ascetics to the point that we don't do business anymore, that we don't do trade anymore. It was the Prophet ﷺ who said that the most beloved places to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the face of the earth are the masajid, are the mosques. And the most hated places to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are the aswaq, are the, are the places, are the marketplaces. And the Prophet ﷺ, though he said that, the Prophet ﷺ was in the suq. He was trading in the marketplace. The companions were trading in the marketplace. People were there. But at the same time, there was an understanding that life is not there. Life is here. Why? Why did the Prophet ﷺ even make that comparison in the first place? Because a place that is devoid of the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether it is a large location, whether it is a, whether it is a marketplace, and back then you didn't have clubs and things of that sort, nightclubs, whatever it is, a place that is devoid of the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a place that contributes to the death of the heart. Is a place where a person finds himself spiritually deflated. And a place where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioned. A place where Allah is remembered. And our priorities are, 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 are rearranged to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has demanded that they be. Then the heart finds life. And subhanAllah, just think about that for a moment. When the Prophet ﷺ said, no people gather to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, except that the angels surround them. As-sakina, mercy, mercy, tranquility descends upon their hearts. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions them with those that are with Him. Think about that for a moment. Just being in a place where Allah's name is being mentioned, where Allah is being talked about. There's a certain peace of mind that comes. There's a certain tranquility of the heart that comes. And you don't get that feeling anywhere else. You don't get that anywhere else. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala constantly reminds you over and over and over again. And I'll ask each and every single one of you with the question that Imam ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah asked. He said, وَمِنْ أَعْجَبَ الْعَجَبِ He said from the, from the strangest of things, أَن تَذُوقَ الْعَذَابِ عِنْدَ تَعَلُّقِ الْقَلْبِ بِغَيْرِهِ 
ثم لا تهرب منه إلى إلى نعيم الإقبال والإنابة إليه. He said it's strange that a person tastes the torture of having his heart attached to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he doesn't run away from that thing which causes him that torturous feeling to the blessing, to the peace of mind that comes with turning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and remembering him and supplicating him. And, and, and it's a very simple question. The feeling that you have after sitting in a gathering where Allah wasn't mentioned, or being in a place where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wasn't mentioned, where there was gossip and nonsense being talked about for hours and hours, that feeling that you have, does it in any way, shape, or form equal the feeling that you have after you've attended a good halaqah? Or after you've attended a salah in which you made your heart attentive? In which you attached your heart to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And many times we treat religion as just that, just an obligation to get out of the way, and we don't look to it as a source of peace of mind and as a source of peace of heart. And then we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, why isn't my salah making me feel better? I feel like my heart is dead. How come I don't feel anything when I pray? How come I don't feel anything whenever I hear these things about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And the question is really addressed back to you. What have you given to your salah in order for your salah to make you feel better? What have you given to your religion for it to give you that sense of peace and tranquility? You know, I remember, and, and I know, mashallah, this is a masjid in which many people take shahada. And many people embrace Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this masjid. I mean, it's announced every single week, right? Sister so-and-so has accepted Islam. Brother so-and-so has accepted Islam. And I remember one time I was giving shahada to someone. And I see, mashallah, we have a lot of revert brothers and sisters here. And as that person, it was a young girl, probably 19 years old, was taking her shahada and expressing that testimony for the first time, she was breaking down in tears. And then there was another woman that was in her 60s that was breaking down in tears as well. And so subhanAllah, she came to me afterwards, the woman, the older woman that broke down in tears, and she said, Imam, do you know why I was crying? I said, why? She said, because I've been saying Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah for 64 years. And I've never once cried over it. I've said it my entire life and it never brought me to tears. That's the first time she's saying it. And it's bringing her to tears. Why? Because of what she gave to that shahada. What she put on the table for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The trust she had in La ilaha illallah Muhammadan Rasulullah. That this is life. That what I'm about to say is going to change my entire life. It's possibly going to alienate me from my family. It's possibly going to hurt my reputation. I'm going to lose friends over this. I'm going to not only have to change culture, but I'm going to have to change my entire lifestyle. For La ilaha illallah Muhammadan Rasulullah. And by them being here to testify that, they're saying it's worth it. So it means more to them when they say it. It means more. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks us, and Imam Al-Qayyim rahimahullah says very beautifully, you know, when we enter into our salah, and then we turn away to all of these different things, the things that occupy our minds and occupy our hearts, when we're thinking about what's coming after the salah, or what happened before the salah. 
And Imam Al-Qayyim rahimahullah said, إِذَا دَخَلَ الْعَبْدُ فِي الصَّلَاةِ When a person enters into his prayer, ثُمَّ الْتَفَتَ And then he turns away spiritually from his prayer. He doesn't physically turn away, but his heart is, all, his heart is in a totally different place, his mind is in a totally different place. قَالَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to him, يَا عَبْدِي O my servant, إِلَىٰ أَيْنِ Where are you going? إِلَىٰ خَيْرًا مِنِّي are you turning to something better than me? Have you found something that is more deserving of your attention right now than me? Have you found something that's going to give you peace of mind and going to give you tranquility and going to settle your heart that is better than me? Can you imagine? You're already only giving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a few moments of your day. What are you bringing to that prayer? And from the, from the Prophet ﷺ, we learn that after he finishes his salah, he says, Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarakta ya dhal jalali wal ikram. It's an expression, subhanAllah, such a powerful expression that the Prophet ﷺ said after every single prayer, Oh Allah, you are peace. You are the source of peace. From you alone comes peace, comes salam. Subhanallah, think about that. Because the Prophet ﷺ wasn't going to his prayer to get it over with. The Prophet ﷺ was going to his prayer for peace. Arihna biha ya Bilal. Comfort us with it, O Bilal. And the Prophet ﷺ turned towards Salah. And the way that the Prophet ﷺ turned to Allah in prayer made it rewardable not just in the hereafter but in this dunya as well. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala constantly invites us and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, مَثَلُ الَّذِي يَذْكُرُ اللَّهِ وَالَّذِي لَا يَذْكُرُ اللَّهِ مِثْلُ الْحَيِّ وَالْمَيِّتِ The example of the one who remembers Allah and the one who doesn't remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like the example of the living and the dead. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا اسْتَجِيبُوا لِلَّهِ وَلِلْرَسُولِ إِذَا دَعَاكُمْ لِمَا يُحْيِيكُمْ O oh, you who believe, answer the call of Allah and His Messenger when they call you to that which gives you life. Because without it, you don't have life. And whether it's a place like a marketplace or a club or whatever it is where Allah is not being mentioned, or whether it's your heart. As Imam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah said, that dhikr, the remembrance of Allah to the heart, is like water is to a fish. It's your oxygen. If you don't have it, you're not breathing. You're not living anymore. You're not experiencing true life. How many people on the day of Black Friday, and ironically, and I'm sure you had a khutbah about this, but ironically, right after expressing thanks for what they already have, go out and camp out in front of stores, in front of different places, for hours and hours and hours to get a hold of a deal on, on some kind of gaming console or some kind of product. Because that product, that gaming console supposedly is going to give you happiness. And that's the first thing shaitan does. Is he creates these insecurities, these vulnerabilities. And then he exploits them and tells you, look, I've got a product that can solve your problem. You know, in essence, that's what marketing is, right? Exploiting people's insecurities and vulnerabilities. And shaitan is a master of that. Feeling down about your looks? Here's a product. I'll show you a commercial of a person that's standing there and that's miserable. And then all of a sudden, a product pops up. You know, body spray, cologne. 
and then you, you're in this amazing place all of a sudden, and you're smiling, and everything is all good, and, and all of a sudden, everyone's attracted to you. You're beautiful now. Feeling down on your bills, and you know they show you someone who's depressed and checking the mail and things of that sort. Well, maybe you should try this. Right? SubhanAllah, create that insecurity and create that vulnerability and create that need and then exploit it. And you know what the sad thing is, dear brothers and sisters, is that a lot of times we complain that we're not feeling alive. And I want you to think about this for a moment. How many people will spend tonight, Friday night, and tomorrow night, Saturday night, wasting themselves away at a club or at a bar or in some kind of party, trying to feel alive. And you could be sitting here listening to قَالَ Allah and قَالَ Rasulullah. Allah says and the Messenger says for one hour. And I guarantee you, you feel more alive than them. How many people are trying to feel alive? And subhanAllah, the, the idea here is turning towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and understanding that what Allah can give you, no one else can give you. As Imam Al-Qayyim rahimahullah said very beautifully, that the only one who shaitan can appeal to is the one for whom Allah is not enough. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَلَيْسَ اللَّهُ بِكَافٍ abda. Isn't Allah enough for His servants? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala testifies in the Qur'an, رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ وَرَضُوا That they are pleased with Allah and Allah is pleased with them. And one of the ways of being pleased with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is being pleased with the legislation of Allah. Being pleased with what Allah has given you with Islam. Being pleased with the restrictions that Allah has given you because understanding those restrictions are for you. Those restrictions are to make you live a better life. Those restrictions are for your own good. And we have many of our youth who look out, and many Muslims who look out of the window sometimes and say, man, I wish I could not be Muslim just for one day. I wish I could enjoy it just today. Man, it's prom night. I wish just tonight I didn't have to be Muslim. Just so I could experience it. Just so I could experience one day at the club. One day doing this. One day doing that. One day being able to just do whatever I want. And not have to worry about halal and haram. I wish I could do that for one day. And while we're looking out saying that, you have those people that come to Islam that have lived their entire lives without halal and haram, and are saying that I never felt alive until the day I said, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. That lived a free lifestyle, and did whatever they want, and didn't have to worry about anything, in some cases obviously, and then come to Islam, and recognize that in that submission, the heart is given life. Now why do I mention this? Because a lot of times, the only time we turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is when we want something. And that in and of itself is insincere. And sometimes we, in fact, we, we expect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to feed our worldly addictions. You see someone who's in the masjid, it could be for something halal. A young man that's in the masjid, all of a sudden, why are you in the masjid? I've got my MCAT coming up. You know, I really want to make sure that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts barakah in it. You know, something really, really, really bad happened to me. So that's why I'm coming to Allah. And it's sad because many times when you see someone turning towards religion for the first time in a long time, it's because of one of two things happen. Either somebody died or something really bad happened to them. And then all of a sudden, Oh Allah, give me this. Oh Allah, 
give me that. Oh Allah, give me this. And yes, you know what? Sometimes that is the moment that changes your life. Sometimes that is the moment that turns everything around for you. But your relationship with Allah cannot just stop at that. That if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives it to you, فَأَمَّا الْإِنسَانُ إِذَا مَبْتَلَاهُ رَبُّهُ فَأَكْرَمَهُ وَنَعْمَ فَيَقُولُ رَبِّي أَكْرَمًا As for the human being, as for man, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests him by giving him the good of this world, فَيَقُولُ رَبِّي أَكْرَمًا He would say, my Lord has honored me. Not in a way of praise, but in a way of boasting. Meaning I don't have to worry about anything else I'm doing in my life. Allah clearly loves me because Allah is giving me. That same person, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests him and restricts his wealth a little bit, Allah just takes a little bit of it away. And Allah puts him in a little bit of a hard situation. My life is over. Why is Allah doing this to me? Why is God doing this to me? Because why should Allah feed your dunya addictions? That would be no different than finding someone who's addicted to a drug, something that's not real. And instead of stopping him from his addiction, saying, no, I want you to feel good about yourself. Go ahead and take it. Allah breaks us off from those addictions. Allah breaks us off from those things. So that we can understand what really gives us life. And you know what's amazing about the Prophet ﷺ above, all, uh, above many other things? Is that when the Prophet ﷺ went to Hira at the age of 40, to contemplate, to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to seek meaning in this life. Did the Prophet ﷺ have any marital issues? Did the Prophet ﷺ have any economic problems? Was he broke sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Was the Prophet ﷺ suffering from any lack of reputation? No, he was a sadiq al-ameen. He was the honest, the trustworthy one. Did anything happen to the Prophet ﷺ to send him up to that mountain? No. There were no strings attached. He didn't go to Allah for a spiritual high. He went to Allah to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to revive his heart sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which was already alive sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But to adorn it with this beautiful revelation, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us with the true understanding and implementation of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah and to forgive us for our shortcomings and to forgive us when we look to other than Him for satisfaction and tranquility. Allahumma ameen. Aqulu qawri hadha. Wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum wa nisa'al al-muslimin. Fastaghfiru innahu huwa al-ghafur rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa la'udwana illa ala al-zalimeen. Wa la'aqibatu al-muttaqeen. Allahumma salli wa sallam wa barik ala abdika wa rasulika Muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Dear brothers, please move forward as much as you can. Dear brothers and sisters, in conclusion of this khutbah, when we talk about reviving our hearts and why we feel low, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to turn to Him with no strings attached. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends you moments. And Allah azawajal says, أَلَمْ يَأْنِي لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَن تَخْشَعَ قُلُوبُهُمْ لِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ وَمَا نَزَلَ مِنَ الْحَقِّ Isn't it time for those who believe to soften their hearts to the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that which He has revealed from the truth. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends us many moments. And I ask everyone this question. How many times did you have a near-death experience where it would have just been a split, if it would have been just a little bit different, just a split second further and your car would have crashed and you would have been dead. 
you were so close to death, or you faced some sort of tragedy, some sort of financial tragedy, or something happened in your life that shook you. How many times did that happen to you? Allah was sending you a wake-up call. And if you go back to sleep, Allah just sends you a louder wake-up call. And the wake-up calls will keep getting louder and louder and louder and louder. Because you can't just get up and say, I'm awake and then go back to sleep. You have to get up and start moving. And put yourself in an environment. And put yourself in, a dedica- in, in, a, in submission so that the heart that was dead can now thrive. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, You know what happens whenever you let a time pass? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Don't be like those people who let time pass between that wake up call. And between their submission, time passed and they forgot how they felt when they lost that person. They forgot how they felt when they were down. And so their hearts became hard. They became harder. And many of those people are wicked transgressors. Dear brothers and sisters, when we look at the lies of the Sahaba, Many times it was that extreme wake-up call that brought them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But you know what? Their relationship with Allah didn't stop there. It was the catalyst. It was the catalyst. Because when Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu goes to his sister's home, and he recites those few verses of Surah Taha, Umar radiallahu anhu, when he's awake, goes straight to the Messenger ﷺ and puts his heart now in an environment where it can thrive. Within 24 hours, the same man that was out to kill the Messenger ﷺ is standing out there and defending the Prophet ﷺ. Because he understood that I have to change my ways now. I'm not going to go home and think about this and say, you know what, maybe I'll get religious later on and maybe I should... No, I know. The way that I felt when I recited those few verses of Surah Taha, what I understood and what Allah was trying to tell me, I can't shut my eyes after this or else the next time the wake-up call is going to get louder and louder and louder. And that's why when we talk about reviving the heart, every time the Prophet ﷺ talked about the heart, and he said it was named the heart, Al-Qalb, because tataqallab, it constantly changes. And the Prophet ﷺ described it as a, as a feather that would keep on turning over and over and over with the wind. And the Prophet ﷺ's most frequent dua was, Ya Muqallib al-Qulub, thabbit qalbi ala deenik. O turner of hearts, make my heart firm on your deen. Because the Prophet ﷺ is teaching us that in order to settle that very fragile heart which turns over like a leaf in the desert or a feather in the desert, you have to create the right wind. You have to put it in an environment where it thrives, in an environment where Allah is mentioned, around people that mention Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and take it off of all of those things, or, or remove it and detach it from all of those things that cause it to harden and cause it to die. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that when we turn to Him with our hearts, we don't just turn to Him because we want something of this world, but we turn to Him seeking His pleasure. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make our hearts firm on His path, 
Ya muqallib al-qulub, thabbit qulubuna ala deenik. O turner of hearts, make our hearts firm on your deen. Allahumma khfir lil-mu'mineen wal-mu'minat, wal-muslimin wal-muslimat, al-ahyai minhum wal-amwat, innaka sami'un qareebun mujibu da'wat. Allahumma khfir lana warhamna, wa'afu anna wa la tu'adibna. Rabbana zalamna anfusana wa inlam takhfir lana wa tarhamna, lana kuunanna min al-khasirin. Allahumma innaka afuwan tuhibbu al-afwa fa'afu anna. Allahumma khfir liwalidina, rabbi rhamhuma kama rabbona صغارا ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما اللهم انصر المستضعفين في مشارق الأرض ومغاربها اللهم أصلح أحوال إخواننا المنكوبين في مشارق الأرض ومغاربها اللهم عز الإسلام والمسلمين وأذل الشرك والمشركين ودمر أعداء الدين اللهم أهلك الظالمين بالظالمين وأخرجنا وإخواننا من بينهم سالمين عباد الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون فاذكروا الله يذكركم واشكروه على نعم يزد لكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقيم الصلاة